Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On Halloween, you will likely say, see uh, fake gravestones set up in some yards. Usually the fake gravestones are made out of cardboard and they're painted gray and they'll have something written on them, either to be seeking to be scary or serious sometimes, but a lot of times to be silly, to be humorous. Scary or silly or serious, I think all of these reflect the overall feeling about death that we have in our culture. The truth is, we don't really know how to handle death in our culture. We, we handle death by not handling it. We just don't talk about it. We avoid it. We pretend if we just listen to the doctors and the scientists, we won't die. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to be around it. And for the most part, we've, we just try to box it out into its own little area so that we can live as if death doesn't exist. It used to be that visitations would happen in the home and the deceased's family would remain in the home with the body until it was time for the funeral and then they would have the funeral at the church and once the church was uh, service, uh, funeral service was done, they would then go and uh, have the burial at the church cemetery. Now the body gets whisked away to a funeral home where they inject it with who knows what chemicals so that the body can look really nice and everyone can look, walk up to the, the dead body and say, wow, they sure look nice. And the funeral home is where we go and then once that's done, and when we avoid the funeral home until the next time we have to darken the doors of the funeral home. And because all of these steps are taken, we can visit death and we can leave it behind as if it doesn't really exist. But of course, it does exist. And whether you follow the science or whether you do your own research or whether you follow a strict diet or consume way too many calories every single day or whether you talk about death or avoid talking about death, the truth is you will die. I will die. Your loved ones will die. And this is something that previous generations understood a lot better than we do because they just lived with death all around them. Many families, most families, would have at least one child that didn't make it out of childhood. Disease and disaster would claim a friend or a loved one or a family member unexpectedly. And of course, these things still happen, but it it happens less frequently to the point that we can try to avoid it, avoid thinking about it, avoid talking about it. But in previous times, people understood far better that because they do walk in the valley of the shadow of death, the, the pall of death really was cast over them all the time. Now, there are a lot of problems that come when we avoid talking about death, when we try to live as if it doesn't exist. But the most serious is this. If we don't confront the reality of death, then we don't deal with the reality of what happens after death. At the time of death, we will meet our maker. Now, is that good news or is that bad news? <laughs> Much 
as uh, has happened with death in our culture today, we, we've come up with all kinds of ways of explaining how we think it ought to be when someone dies. In general, American culture has adopted from here and there and cobbled together uh, what we think it should be like. But somehow facing judgment seems to be conspicuously absent from that conversation. But here's the truth. You will die and you will stand before the judgment of the most holy God. Martin Luther understood this. He lived in a time in which death really was all around all the time. And it wasn't uncommon for someone to be perfectly healthy in the morning and be dead by that evening. And Luther knew well that at the point of death, he would face the judgment seat of God. So he worked. He tried, he prayed, he beat his body trying to drive out any sinful inclination that he might have. He did everything that the church told him he could do with the hopes that he could do just enough to be able to withstand the judgment when it would come. But he still knew deep in his heart that he was a sinful man. He knew the deep, dark thoughts that lurked within. He knew how he had hurt intentionally and unintentionally others around him. He knew that God was holy, and he most certainly was not. And so he feared God. He was terrified of God. That God was holy, and he was not absolutely terrified him. How would he be able to stand when that day came and he died and he would then have to stand before God? Luther knew he would die and he would stand before God and it terrified him because he only knew the law of God. It terrified him until he learned the gospel, until he had his eyes and his heart and his mind opened by the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. The good news that he finally came to realize is the good news that we hear of right here in Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Did you catch that phrase? The righteousness of God. Now, before coming to understand the gospel, Luther understood that God was righteous, and it terrified him. That wasn't good news to him, that God was righteous, was not good news because he knew he wasn't. He knew his sin. But here, God makes it clear that we do have the righteousness of God. Not by working hard enough. Not by praying fervently enough. Not by doing whatever the church tells you to do in order to get right with God. But by faith in Jesus. By the reconciling work of Jesus. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. 
That's me, and that's you, and that's your family members, and that's your loved ones, that's your co-workers, that's, that's everybody. That was the point that Luther had understood very clearly in his early days. But what comes next is the good news he had missed until that point. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. The good news of Jesus Christ is that God, knowing our sin, knowing our weakness, knowing our helplessness, he does for us what we can't do for ourselves. He makes us holy. By the blood of Jesus, he makes us holy. We are justified. That is, we're declared righteous, declared not guilty. Because the the holy blood of Jesus covers us. We're not justified because of anything we've done. Our Our supposed good works can't change the fact that we've sinned. It's not like you can stand before the judge and say, oh yeah, of course, I I broke the law, I did this, 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 and this, but I did these good things too. Okay, you're still guilty of these things, right? This was Luther's dilemma when he thought that justification came by works. He understood no matter how many good works he might do, he was still stained with sin. He was still guilty of breaking God's law, and he would still have to stand before God when he died. And so he feared death. And he was terrified of God. But the gospel changed everything. Understanding that righteousness is a gift from God, given to us by the Holy Spirit through Jesus, that, the means, uh, that, that, that it means that, that death has lost its sting. There's no need to be terrified of God because we've come under the blood of Jesus. Because we are justified. We are holy because through Jesus... We have become righteous. The Reformation really is about the basic story of the Bible. You know, we we like to make it about history and all of these other things, and there's a lot to be said about those things. But ultimately, really what it comes down to, it's God loved his creation so much. He gave his son so that all who believe in him don't perish, but have everlasting life. It's the good news that when we die, God can declare to us, you're holy, you're righteous, you're justified. Heaven is yours. Everlasting life is yours. See, Reformation Day really isn't about Luther. It's certainly not about bratwurst or anything having to do with Germany. Reformation Day is about the gospel. It's about the good news of Jesus. It's about the good news that God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. That's why we have that eternal gospel we heard about in Revelation. That is to be proclaimed to everybody. Because we need everyone to know. Because everyone will die. Everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. And everyone, by faith in Jesus, can receive everlasting life. The blood of Jesus covers all sins. So by faith in him... Anybody, everybody can be saved. Reformation Day is about the good news that though we die, we will live. 
Though we stand before the judgment seat of God, we've already been been declared not guilty by faith in Jesus Christ. Reformation Day is the good about the good news that that through Jesus we don't have to be terrified of death or scared of God because Jesus has overcome death. And in him, we've been made children of God and we are covered by his holiness and we can approach God as our loving father. The kids got it right in the children's message, didn't they? All right, why do we have all these crosses? (laughs) Because God loves us. That's really what it's about. That's what the Reformation is about. This is what led... Charles Porterfield Crowth, probably the greatest American theologian of the 19th century, to write, The festival of the Reformation is at once a day of Christmas and of Easter and of Pentecost. It is in our church year a day of birth, a day of resurrection, a day of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let us return, uh, let its return, renew that life and make our church press on with fresh vigor in the steps that her risen Lord, as the one begotten again and born from the dead by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit of her God. Let every day be a festival of the Reformation and every year a jubilee. See, the day of the Reformation, it's, it's, it's all about all of those festivals of the church here, right? It's about Christ coming into the world because he came to save sinners. It's about Christ dying and rising to save sinners. It's about the, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming so that sinners can hear that good news and be brought to faith and receive everlasting life. That's what it's about. That's why it's good news for me and for you and for all of those other people out there in the world who need to hear the good news of Jesus because death remains real. But in Christ, death is defeated, and the love of God is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.